welcome to episode 95 of the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership. I'm Tim Barnes. And I'm Nathan Ruby. Well, we appreciate you listening today. And I just want to remind you that here at the Practice of Nonprofit Leadership, we spend a lot of time talking about the nuts and bolts of leading a nonprofit to help your organization accomplish its mission. But we're also committed to your personal growth and development as a leader. And that's why we make sure to include episodes focused on just that topic, like today, which is what we're going to look at. Now, I know we're in the middle of baseball season here in North America. And in fact, Nathan, you and I are going to be headed to Chicago this weekend to watch a game at guaranteed rate field between the White Sox and the Cardinals. Yes, we are. And as you probably know or might know, Tim and I are both Cardinals fans. And so we're going to trek up to the Big Windy and see the White Sox and Cardinals play. And unfortunately, they are playing so badly, both teams, that they may actually both lose at this game. But we'll see. We'll see how it goes, Tim. Well, at least we'll have time to uh, to hang out and plan a lot of podcast episodes, right, if nothing else? <laughs> we could still have a productive day, even if our team doesn't win, Tim. We'll be good. That's true. Well, baseball season, but I've been reading a book that has some leadership insights from the football field. In particular, that area known as the red zone area on the football field. Now, the book is called The Accidental Creative by Todd Henry. And I got to say, it is really challenging me in a good way in so many areas. And I think it has a lot to say to nonprofit executive directors. And I'll make sure that as we talk about it today, I'm going to put a link to the book in the show notes because I think you would really benefit from taking some time to read it. Okay. So for those of you who may not be quite as up to speed on football as, as some of us, the red zone is an area on each end of the football field that starts at the 20 yard line and goes to the end zone. So that is a 20 yard, 20 yard area. And it is a known statistic in football that if you are in the red zone, the offense, when you have the football, if you're in the, the red zone and you don't score or you don't score often enough, it's very difficult to win in the NFL without a high efficiency rating in the red zone. And in fact, in last year's Super Bowl, if you remember, it was the Kansas City Chiefs versus the Philadelphia Eagles. And in last year in the NFL season, Tim, I don't know if you know this or not, but the Kansas City Chiefs were number two in red zone efficiency and the Philadelphia Eagles were number three in red zone efficiency. So, you got to score points when you're in the red zone. And, you know, that's if you're into football at all, you kind of know that that's a common thing to know. And so, you know, I, I get that part. But, Tim, I'm not exactly sure what this has to do with uh, nonprofit leadership. So help me out there a little bit. Well, I'm glad you asked me to talk about this because I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> but Todd would say in his book, Red Zone Activities – are those activities that really make a difference and generate forward momentum during a particular season in which you find yourself. So we all go through seasons in our life. Uh, we have some, what I would call meta seasons that go on for a while, such as, uh, you know, parenting small kids. That impacts your commitments. It impacts the things you do. It's that season that you're in. Nathan and I have 
moved on from that season. We have adult kids, which brings a whole nother, another set of circumstances. Yeah. yeah. It's not easier. It's just different, Tim. <laughs> Correct. But, but it is a season in our life that impacts decisions that we make and commitments we're able to follow through on. Or there's micro seasons like, you know, like the time of the year. You know, we're in summer here in North America. So maybe it's impacting some of the things you do or even seasons like a, you have a go through a particular focus. What, what's important is to identify those activities that are relevant to the season you find yourself. And both, you know, both as a leader and as an organization. So the season that I'm in as a person, as a leader, what are the activities, what are the decisions that I should be focused on? Or where are we at as an organization? And so it's important to take time to identify the activities that are relevant to your season. Okay. All right. I got it. That That's, I get it. I see where we're heading here. So um, let's jump into that and see what those red zone activities look like. Uh, but before we do that, um, Tim and I would like to ask a favor. And what we would like to ask is, could you do one or two things to help the show? And one is, would you be willing to leave us a review on whatever platform that you're listening to? And the reason that we, that we're asking for that is when the algorithms, when they, when they pick up, uh, uh, data, they pick up websites, they pick up podcasts, uh, and they rank higher on the list. It is one of the algorithms that they use is reviews left about the show. And so I, I know it's, it, it's kind of a strong ask, but we would really love it if you could just drop a few sentences of, well, I would, I would hope that it was a positive review, but you know, if it's not a positive review, that's okay too. Uh, you could tell us what we could do better, but you know, even a sentence or two, uh, would really help the, get the show, um, out there a little bit more, help more people to find out, uh, and more people that could benefit from it, just like it does you. Um, and then the second thing, and this, I don't know if this is more important. Maybe it is, is if you could just tell, simply tell a friend or a colleague about the show. And a simple, hey, I'm listening to this podcast. I get some value from it. I think you would too. Uh, the number one way to increase a show, Tim, correct me if I'm wrong, but the number one way to increase the size of a show is through word of mouth. Uh, and so if you could help us with that, we would really, really love that and would uh, be very thankful for that. Okay, so let's jump back into the Red Zone act activity discussion. And what we want to do is we want to focus in on some of the qualities of the activities that we should be doing in our seasons and what, what, what makes them red zone activities. So let's jump in. The first, the first one is activities that you can uniquely do or add value to because of your position or your expertise. And those things help move the organization or a specific project forward. And it comes down to you really are the best person for this situation. So what activities that you can uniquely do or add value to because of your position or expertise or experience? So as executive, executive director, there are some things that only you can do because you are the executive director. I, re <laughs> I remember having a conversation with, a, with uh, one of the, my bosses that I worked with 
and he was great. He had such a servant heart. He was he was the president of the of the nonprofit organization, but he always was ready to jump in and help. And one day he goes, I think I just need to grab my shovel and go out and and uh, and shovel the snow out in front. And we had we had maintenance people, we had people that that was their job. And I just remember saying to him, Hey, can I just remind you? You are the executive director. You are the president of this organization. So you need to be go doing president things like raising money. <laughs> but Nathan, do you, do you connect with that? That there are some things that only executive directors could do to bring value to the organization? Yeah, absolutely. And it is, it is hard. Sometimes, even even for me, and I have to be remind remind myself as well to stay stay in your lane is not necessarily the right phrase, but it kind of is. So, you know, I am I, I do not have a strong detailed finance background, and so in our in the organization I lead, our finance uh, director meets on the phone every week with our treasurer. That's a conversation that takes place. And it is a, and I'm invited to that conversation. It's a standing, it's a standing call. And so I'm, I'm invited to be part of that call, obviously, because I'm the executive director. And sometimes when I need to, when something is happening that I need to be on the call, I am on the call, but I would say 90% of the time I'm not because that is internal, uh, deep finance conversations that that are between the treasurer and the and the finance director and I don't need to be on there uh, I trust my finance director and the treasurer to get done what needs to be done so that you know when the financial statements come to me then I make decisions my, my I, I know how to read a financial statement and then I make decisions based on what the financial statement says I don't have to be involved in the detail behind creating it if that makes sense uh, so you know, and while they're talking deeper finance stuff, then I'm, you know, making donor calls, which is where I need to be because I'm the only one that could do that. So, yeah, you, now for smaller organizations where, you know, where you don't have a lot of staff and you're it, well, okay, that's a little different. You have to, you, you have to do what you have to do, but always be making critical decisions. Is this something that I need to be doing, or is there somebody else that could be doing this besides me? And it has to do. Oftentimes, there are things that that only the executive director should be doing to bring value, and that could be again representing your representing your organization at meetings, showing up in some of those places where you can talk specifically about it. Not only are there executive director things, but there are also things because of your expertise. And Nathan, I, I think um, you bring an incredible expertise in fundraising that's been your life to your organization. And there could be things that you you bring because you have an expertise in that. You know, I know in our own organization, our 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 executive director, our president um, had had his own uh, website company, developing websites and doing things like that. So he's brought a lot of value to that area. Not every executive director coming into our organization would say, yeah, I'm the website guy. But because <laughs> of his expertise, he brings value uh, to our organization because he's had that expertise, brings that expertise to us. You know, you know another area for that, um, Tim, a lot that the, falls in the executive director lap of smaller organizations is IT. 
because uh, you know typically you don't have in a small nonprofit you don't have somebody with heavy IT experience. I'm not saying it doesn't happen; it could, but pretty typically it doesn't. And so that you know that that role's got to fall to somebody. And so you know, I, I find myself doing a lot of, from for my for my own stuff and for some of our our key volunteers and and some of our staff. Of uh, you know, I'm sitting there on Google saying, "Okay, how do you do this? How does this work?" And and you know, again, it it you either find a volunteer to do that or you spend the money and outsource it. But you know, that's just it's just another area of if you if you do have expertise in that, you do have a background, you have some skills in it, then maybe it's okay to to keep that on your plate because you know you can. I I do know how to do this or I do know how to do that, and I can do it quickly, and I kind of enjoy doing it. Okay, well that's you know, some of that's okay. Uh, but if you're trying to support, you know, 17 users, then that's, you know, then you need to let somebody else do that. But if you're supporting one other person, okay, then it probably makes sense if you're, if you have an aptitude that you keep that on your plate. Again, you have to make critical decisions on that. So when it comes to things that you can uniquely do or add value to your organization, one is that you do executive director things, Second is that you may have expertise in an area. And the third one is you may have experience in areas. Uh, like maybe you've, you've been involved in, in leading a crisis, or maybe you've had a lot of real estate uh, experience. And so you're able to step in and bring some of your experience. If you as a nonprofit try and figure out, hey, where are we going to locate? Do we need to get a new office? Do we need to buy a property or all that stuff? But think about what kind of experiences that you've had that you can actually bring and add value to your organization. So these are red zone activities that they're activities that you uniquely can bring or add value to your organization to move things forward, either the organization or maybe a specific project. A second red zone kind of the activities are activities that increase your personal capacity to generate ideas. And these are activities that oftentimes we jettison when we're in a busy season. We don't take the time to continue to build our personal capacity to generate ideas. One of those is just studying, uh, being, you know, being committed to be a lifelong learner. And that's so important. Nathan, you and I meet people where it's like, hey, you know, I've got my degree and I've done whatever. I'm good. And they never take time to continue to grow and, and understand life and how that's impacting their, their leadership. And so that is an activity that needs to be a part of your, your schedule, your study. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, Tim. The, the, especially the last, I'll say five years, maybe it's been 10, but certainly in the last five years, the number of colleges and universities and even junior colleges that now have nonprofit uh, degrees you, and you come out with uh, you know, a bachelor's in nonprofit, I don't know exactly what they call it, but you, know, you can go and learn to, to be a nonprofit leader from the book, right? You, you, know, you read the book, you take a test, you write a paper. Uh, you get an A and now you are ready to enter the market and be this great, effective nonprofit leader. 
and you know that type of study book study is is important i'll call it textbook studying tim the 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 studying the textbook gives you a good base and a good underpinning foundation of knowledge but oh my gosh tim you know once you take that leadership role sometimes the the textbook just you throw it out the window because people don't react the way that they do in the textbook and you know people people react based on their own stories and their own baggage that they carry and what's going on in their life leading is this dynamically changing environment that changes constantly and you know reading and studying and that continual lifelong learning gosh tim i i it is so important in nonprofit leadership that if you're not doing it as part of a normal ongoing routine, you're f- probably falling behind. And not necessarily talking about, oh, I'm going to go back and get a degree, but it's just, it's basically, are, is there a point in your day, every day where you're reading something, something that's, that's connecting you to the world? Uh, there's so many courses, there's so much opportunity, but the important thing is you need to to be developing your capacity as a leader and to understand the organization that you're leading. So study is a, is a really important part of, of your regular schedule. You've got to know a lot, a, a little about a lot. And, and in the areas that you don't know, that's how you figure it out is, you know, you read, whether it's books or websites or podcasts, Tim. Hey, what a, what a <laughs> novel idea, right? Well, Spending time studying and growing your knowledge uh, as a lifelong learner. A second thing is, and I've been challenged about this recently, is having what I what would be called purposeful ideation, and that's the idea of putting a quote unquote idea time into your schedule. You know, we get so busy with so many things, we don't have time to think and to come up with ideas, and to to have a a fifteen minute or thirty minute you know, slot in our schedule, maybe it's once a week or maybe it's once a day. You know, we just don't take time to actually think about, hey, what could we do about this? What are what are the issues I'm facing? What are some ideas? Even just taking time to begin to write some of those down is really, really important. And it just, it snowballs. It, it, you begin to come up with all kinds of ideas. And you know, as a leader, that's a capacity we need to have. Yeah, for sure. And it goes back to, you know, the first point on what are some of the things that your, you know, your position, your expertise as the executive director, that is your job is to be looking, part of your job is to be looking out in front and of what's happening now out, you know, a week, a month, six months, a year. You've got to be, you've got to be paying attention to that. And now you may have key volunteers or staff, part-time staff, contractors, whatever. Their job is right now. What's happening right now in whatever area that they're working in. And, and your job is right now also, but you've got to be building time to where you are thinking about what's coming. What questions should we be asking? What, what areas do we need to be addressing down the road? And if you don't build in time to just sit and, and allow yourself the freedom to do that, um, it, it, it's things will come up and, 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 and 
catch you unaware or, you know, bite you and you have no idea it was coming. And, you know, if, if you had spent some time thinking about these things, it may not have snuck up on you. Well, along with that, Nathan, a, th- a third thing is, is just what we would call intelligence gathering. So as the executive director, you should be having some time to look at the trends. What are the trends in nonprofits, particularly in the area that you're focusing on, or even the challenges that nonprofits are having or around the topic that you guys are focused on? And so that's important as well. So where is, where is that happening? Which then helps lead you to ideas, <laughs> you know, but these activities that we're talking about are activities that that increase your personal capacity to generate ideas, to be able to make decisions to see out in front of us. A, a third type of activities are those activities that provide cohesion or creative traction for your team. And again, your team may be the board that you work with. It could be that if you have staff, you know, your staff team, or maybe your volunteer team. But it, these are activities that help bring those, those team members together and create traction, creative traction to be able to move forward. So one of the best things that you can do as a executive director is to, on a regular basis, clarify the objectives of the organization and the priorities so that people know, Oh, yeah, that's what, this is what we're trying to focus on. This is where we're going. These are the things that have the important the important mm-hmm. part of our of our organization right now, looking for opportunities to clarify the objectives and priorities are really, really important. A second thing is uh, the activities that clear the obstacles for your team. What, what could you do as executive director to open up space for your team members? So maybe maybe your team members leading a project and they're just they're stuck. Maybe they don't have the right tool or the right information. And maybe you could make that happen. You could talk to the board and say, hey, we need to spend money in this area because that will help us move forward. Um, or, hey, here's, here's some things you can read. Here's a, here's a industry update or whatever. But can you, as a leader, clear those obstacles that are holding your team members back in doing the things that you, that you need to get done? And sometimes, Tim, the obstacle that's holding your your staff, your volunteers back, is a they don't they don't feel like they have permission to take that next step to to make that decision to move forward. And you know, a lot of a lot of people, if you're if you're an if you're an executive director or if you are are want to be an executive director in the future. Making decisions is something that's part of the job. That's what you have to do. And, but not, that doesn't come naturally to most people. And most people have worked in an environment where they're told what to do again and again and again and again. And so if you're leading a small nonprofit team, you really want to give your team everything that they need to be successful. And sometimes the biggest obstacle that you can clear is just saying, Hey, this is your project. This is your event. This is your thing. Here's what we're trying to do. We're trying to do one, two, three, four. Go, go. Here's my blessing. Go. 
And, um, and sometimes all they need is just that encouragement to yes, make decisions. And if it's wrong, we'll fix it, but don't worry about it. Go. And, uh, sometimes that's all they need is that encouragement. Another thing, another activity that you as an executive director can do is, is celebrate successes. You know, spend time when, when somebody, when somebody reaches a milestone, when you, when you get to this project, you're, you've been working on this project for a while and it actually comes through and you're seeing success, celebrate it. Look for those opportunities to celebrate individuals, celebrate, uh, goals met, all that, that that's a regular rhythm, regular activity that you do, or even providing, also providing team activity. Those times where you can bring your team together outside of work, <laughs> you know, maybe take them to a ball game or invite them to your house and have a barbecue or whatever. But that builds the cohesion and keeps people moving forward with some of those simple activities. Yeah. And, and remember, celebrate success publicly. I mean, if you have somebody that's, you know, did something great or did, you know, give that, give that publicly in, in front of a team meeting or in front of the board or whatever. Um, and the other side of that is if, if, if something didn't go right and we've got to address something that's done in private, you know, never, never negatively, uh, you know, address an issue in a group of people. That's all done uh, privately one-on-one. But when you're celebrating success, boy, that's public. That's that's for everybody to know. The last set of activities that we want to talk about are activities that feed your energy. And we talked about this a couple episodes ago, a little bit with Jack Grapple when he was on when he was on our podcast. But there are some things that feed your energy. <laughs> One is Adequate sleep. You guys need to be getting your sleep. Nathan, I remember I was, I was part of a, uh, several years ago, I was part of a service club. We met every Friday morning. For some reason, somebody got this idea and they started a after midnight club. And it was a, it was a, a badge of honor if the night before you had gone to bed sometime after midnight because you were hustling, you were working. And so, you know, if you went to bed at 3 a.m. and you were up at 6, man, you were part of this incredible club. <laughs> and I was just like, how stupid is that? Uh, because we're finding more and more and more that adequate sleep is so important. Your brain needs that that time to, to recreate and do some things. And uh, Tim, I'm going to start the 9 p.m. club. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Maybe wow. eight forty-five. <laughs> well, we we all have our rhythms, you know. I'm a morning person. You're, you know, others are, you know. I yeah. think Nathan, you're probably a later night, typically. Yeah, yeah. You know, and not so, that not that late, not midnight. Not late. <laughs> but we we have our rhythms, and we understand that. But but you need seven to eight hours, yeah, to really continue to have the energy you need to lead well, and so. Making that a priority, making that an activity that brings energy to you is really important. You know, a, a second one is just, we've talked about this again, exercise and movement, not being staying in place all the time, sitting at your desk or doing whatever you need. You need to exercise, you need to move, you need to take a walk. Yeah, it, it's, it is easy for me, Tim, to, um, I could sit all day 
Um, I could skip meals sometimes if I'm really working on a project, something that I'm really focused on. And, you know, and all of a sudden it's, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon and I've, I've, I've literally sat in my chair all day long and I use my watch. I've set it, you know, so that it goes off. It's time to stand up. It's time to move. Uh, and I, and I set my, my hours of the day to, to where I'm taking some time every hour to, even if I just walk around the office or the house in circles, at least I'm moving something. That's really important to, you know, there are uh, your watch or other, you know, your computer, your phone, whatever you can set reminders to stand up and to take a walk for five minutes or do whatever. But that's really, that's really important to kind of keep you, uh, keep you energized, keep your energy, energy moving through you Um, as well as, as well as drinking enough water. We typically walk around dehydrated and so water is really important in the energy field as well. Uh, another another thing, and this is really important to Nathan and I, but um, even your spiritual practices, you know, you need to feed your soul. And that, you know, the, could be whatever. It could be meditation. It could be prayer. It could be, you know, reading scripture or doing whatever. You're feeding your soul is really important to give you the energy to keep keep moving forward. The last part of this, I will say also, is I think looking for those life-giving activities, those activities that actually bring you life, and and you need that to keep to keep moving forward. And it could be, you know, there are people that I spend time with that just they bring me life. They're they're encouragers. They ask good questions. They they get me. You need to spend more time with those kind of people. Or maybe there are places, you know, for me, I love the mountains. The mountains bring me life. So any chance I get to spend time in that way. Um, or maybe there's interest. Maybe you like to do art or maybe you, maybe you ride your bike or do whatever, but it's something that just brings you, brings you life. And those kind of activities are really important to make sure they're in your schedule as well. Putting Focus and effort into these sorts of activities that we've talked about can really make a difference on the trajectory and the impact of your life, as well as your organization. And as we always say, it can feel overwhelming as we've looked at all these various activities, those activities that where you uniquely bring value, you add to your, to your organization, or activities that increase your personal capacity to generate ideas or activities that provide cohesion or creative traction for your team or activities that feed your energy. All those are important. You don't have to do every single one of them today. So just grab one of those. What one has really stood out to you? When we talked about it, it kind of triggered something that's like, yes, I need to do that. Start with one thing. And slowly begin to, to add these into your life and into your leadership as you, and into your organization. They're really important. They'll bring impact. They'll move you forward. One closing thought. In the same way, it's important to identify your key red zone activities. It's also important to identify those activities that you might describe as being ineffective or unproductive, or even impairing you from being the leader you need to be. And you need to take some 
time to take shears to those and prune those activities out of your life. They could be distractions. It could be bad habits. Or it could be activities that aren't necessarily bad. But if there are activities that have taken over your life and they're stopping you from being the leader you need to be, then it's time to to move those out of your life as well. So look for those activities that can help you move forward. Remove those activities that are stopping you from being the leader that you need to be. Well, thank you for listening today. If you are benefiting from what is being shared on this podcast, Tim and I would like to ask you to share a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. Let us know how the podcast is benefiting you. If you would like to get in touch with us, our contact information can be found in the show notes. That's all for today. Until next time.